Thank you for downloading this podcast from Emmanuel Church Lurgan. At Emmanuel, our vision is to help rewrite the story of Craigavon, Ireland and the nations with the good news of the Kingdom of God. We hope you enjoy listening to this message. Thank you for downloading this podcast from Emmanuel Church Lurgan. At Emmanuel, our vision is to help rewrite the story of Craigavon, Ireland and the nations with the good news of the Kingdom of God. We hope you enjoy listening to this message. Morning, everyone. Morning to everyone who's watching at home as well with us uh, this morning. It's great being able to share the word with you. Um, I'm going to just jump straight into it so we can get at it. Um, we're in Joshua chapter 24 this morning. If you do have Bibles with you, whether it's on your phone or uh, the, the hard copies of it, you could have that. It's going to be on the screens as well uh, as we do go through this. This is our second Sunday, being able to be back together. It's great being able to be here and to see so many people here this morning as well. Um, feeling comfortable to be in the room with us. But last week, Phil kicked things off uh, in terms of just sharing what we really wanted to press into during this month. And one of the things that Phil shared at that stage was just around a word which Chris had shared in corporate prayer during the summer months. This was a word that um, Chris had actually written in his journal for 2019 as he looked ahead to the year 2020, something that he felt the Lord had impressed upon his heart. And during lockdown, he found his old journal and found this word. And this was the word that that was written within it. Um, And it simply says this, 2020 will be the year of re, reposition, realignment, renewal, re-envisioning, repent and return. Come, let us return unto the Lord, the re-things that precede the revival and the return of the Lord. God is not attracted to renewed vision as much as he is attracted to renewed hearts. But when the two things combine, he pours his grace and favors our little efforts and infuses them with himself. We've been singing about that this morning, about our hearts, and we're going to be pressing into that more this morning as well. But last week, um, Phil started into this. I suppose over the last couple of weeks, as Phil and I have chatted about this, we really felt that as church is coming back together, as we're seeing people return to the building, we really wanted to start pressing into some of these words and to really allow space to land to see what specifically was God sharing and speaking to us as a church body. And so last Sunday, Phil began by looking at this word, reunited, specifically looking about how we could be a people that would be reunited with clarity. Phil had his trumpet here last week and was blowing the trumpet call, talking about how there had to be clarity in terms of our vision and direction. And this morning, I want to continue on that, not to take away from it in any way. But the word that I wanted to center it around this morning for us, uh, in terms of one of these re-words, is about recommitment. How we as a people could be recommitted uh, in the things of, of the Lord. And so what we're going to do, let's go straight into Joshua chapter 24. Uh, we're going to begin by reading it in verse 1. Um, and, and again, some of the words will be on the screen for this. It simply says this, Then Joshua assembled all the tribes of Israel at Shechem. He summoned the elders, leaders, judges and officials of Israel and they presented themselves before God. Let me just give you a context to this before we move into the next part of this. Joshua is standing with the children of Israel. He's called the whole of the nation of Israel there before him. This is Joshua's last speech. This is his rising call to the nation of Israel. What actually happens in the, in the bits that we're about to read this morning, the next few verses actually talk about the death of Joshua. This is his last moment as he stands before the children 
children of Israel. And what actually happens, so off the back of verse 1, Joshua will not take time to read it this morning, but from verse 2 to 13, Joshua starts to remind the children of Israel about their story. You can read it for yourself, but he reminds them about the call of a man called Abraham. Father Abraham, who was the father of their their faith, how God had called him and had blessed him with a child, but that through him and through his offspring that God was calling for himself and calling to himself a people that he was choosing. This was them, the children of Israel. Joshua reminded them about their journey and about how they had been led into slavery in Egypt, but how God's hand was still upon them and God didn't leave them in slavery, but God freed them from slavery. And through Moses, that great leader, God released and freed the children of Israel from slavery in Egypt, led them through the wilderness brought them into the promised land under Joshua's guidance, brought them through some battles, even the one we've just sang about this morning, the bed led us in this morning, about the walls of Jericho coming down. This was one of the battles that God had led them in, in victory, and that God had guided them the whole way. And ultimately what Joshua was painting the picture for us, he stood before the children of Israel and was about to call them into a time of recommitment. Joshua is reminding the children of Israel and reminding the people of God that God is good. And God is faithful. They once were slaves, but now they stand here before him as free sons and daughters. They once were slaves, but now they stand as free sons and daughters. You can take time to read it yourself, but in Joshua chapter 8, actually Joshua has already gathered the people together as well, and he has already read them to them, the whole law and covenant of Moses. But now at this point, Joshua is about to call them to commit. So let's jump down to verse 14. Let's take time to read some of these words. Some of them we'll skim over for time's sake. But in verse 14, it starts to say this. This is Joshua speaking to the people. Now, therefore, fear the Lord and serve him in sincerity and in faithfulness. Put away the gods that your fathers served beyond the river and in Egypt and serve the Lord. And if it is evil in your eyes to serve the Lord, choose this day whom you will serve whether the gods your father served in the region beyond the river or the gods of the Amorites in whose land you dwell. But as for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. Then the people answered, Far be it from us that we should forsake the Lord to serve other gods. For it is the Lord our God who brought us and our fathers from the land of Egypt out of the land of slavery. So what they'd start to do is to start to mirror back to Joshua what he's already told them. Then we go down into verse 19. And it says, but Joshua said to the people, you're not able to serve the Lord for he is a holy God. He is a jealous God. He will not forgive your transgressions or your sins. If you forsake the Lord and serve foreign gods, then he will turn and do you harm and consume you after having done you good. And the people said to Joshua, no, but we will serve the Lord. Then Joshua said to the people, you are witnesses against yourselves that you have chosen the Lord to serve him. And they said, we are witnesses. He said, then put away the foreign gods that are among you. And incline your heart to the Lord, the God of Israel. And the people said to Joshua, The Lord our God we will serve, and his voice we will obey. And so it goes on to talk about how Joshua made covenant with them and renewed it at this point. Let, let, let's just pray, can we, just as we start in. Father, thank you for your word. And Holy Spirit, we just pray, would you speak life in it and through it right now. Speak to our hearts and challenge us and lead us, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. 
And so, so in this moment, what Joshua is trying to do, remember said in Joshua chapter 8, he's already told them the covenant and the law of Moses. And now at this moment in his final speech and his final pitch to the children of Israel, he is calling them once again to recommit and to reestablish their covenant with Yahweh. This was again the one that God had made with Moses during the period that they were in the wilderness. And Joshua is now calling them once again to renew this. And we're going to really focus on the call of that and the renewal of it this morning in this word of recommitment. But before we do, I just wanted to take one or two moments just to remind ourselves in a similar sort of way. Many of you will remember, man, it seems such a long time ago, but back in January, I think it was the very first Sunday night or the second Sunday night in January, but it was over nine months ago. Time has flown and so much has happened since then. There were over 500 people that gathered in this room on a night that we called Covenant Sunday. For a start, we didn't even realize how blessed we were to be able to have so many people in one space. <laughs> you think about the restrictions we have now at the moment. And over 500 people stood in this room in what we were calling Covenant Sunday. This had just come off the back of months of teaching, which we had led you in. And at that point, what we were trying to call ourselves was to center ourselves as a church family around new practices. These are the ones that are all along the side of the wall, the ones that are on the screen, prayer and worship, creativity hospitality and generosity, compassion and justice, discipleship, mission. These, these weren't words we just plucked out of the air as we read the Gospels. These were things that we saw embedded deeply in the life of Jesus, not just in the teaching of his words, but the way in which he had lived his life. And what we were saying is that if we were going to be a church that was centered in the life of Jesus, that was committed to follow him in all of his ways, then we were saying, could we as a people together, corporately and individually, could we commit ourselves to be a people that would live in to these ways? It was our heart at that point as well that we would start to see beating and embedded deep within the rhythm of who we are as a church, a true discipleship culture starting to be released. That we would be a people where this wouldn't just be a church where people would come to simply to receive, but that we would be a community passionately committed, and this was the definition we gave to discipleship, to follow Jesus in all of life. Again, this was what we really had hoped and desired. And so we, we prayed and committed that all in January. We were thinking, right, we're going to press into that in lots and lots of different ways. And then obviously the curveball of COVID-19 got thrown through the year. And suddenly our focus is on different things um, at that time. And this morning, all, all I simply want to say is they speak to us corporately. As they speak to you individually, whether you're here or whether you're watching at home. I want to use this as a moment for us, even in this word, much like what Joshua did at Shechem with the children of Israel. But I want this to be a moment almost to call us afresh to recommit ourselves to God. To recommit ourselves to, to one another. <laughs> to recommit ourselves even to that commitment that we had made back at the start of the year and to remind ourselves of it because this is something we want to press into and to give ourselves completely to it. But when we look at the word recommitment, there's just four things I simply want to just land this morning in the last 20 minutes. The first couple are the, the lengthier bits and then the last two will race through. But when we think about recommitment, there's, there's just certain ways that I feel it's important for us to be clear in our minds about what it really means for us to step into a true commitment to God and to one another and to church life in this season. And the first thing, just very simply, was, was this. When we think about recommitment, firstly, it would be a commitment to community. 
This that we've just read this morning is Joshua chapter 24. This is Joshua coming, as I said, to the end of his life. But there's so many lessons from the whole of the book of Joshua that can speak to us about what it means to make this commitment to the Lord. When you go right back to the start of the book of Joshua, in Joshua chapter 1, actually God speaks directly to Joshua himself. And God says this to Joshua. He said, Moses, my servant, is dead. Now therefore, go over... Now therefore arise, go over this Jordan, you and all this people, into the land that I am giving to them, to the people of Israel. God is speaking directly to Joshua and he's firstly telling him, because at the end of Deuteronomy we're told how Moses was led up a mountain and how um, this was the end of Moses' life, how God had buried Moses up in the mountain place. But God now at the start of Joshua was telling Joshua, saying, Joshua, Moses, my servant, is dead. And it wasn't just a moment of information to tell Joshua about the fact that Moses was no longer with him and had passed away, but something key and strategic was happening at this time. God was telling Joshua, and we see this through the rest of the book, that not only was Moses dead, but the way in which the people had been led and the way in which the people had engaged with things up to this point was coming to an end as well. And there was something new and different which was about to be established and released for the children of Israel. Because during the time of Moses, the Lord had worked through Moses to lead the people, to provide for the people. You know his stories about the manna falling from the sky, how he had fought for the people, how he had led the people with a pillar of fire and a pillar of cloud. And so God was saying to Joshua and leading the people, this is what they're about to step into. That again, not only was Moses dead, but the way in which the people had depended on him, the lead was now changing. Leadership was still needed, of course. But this was a new moment for the children of Israel. This was a new moment. This was a time now for the people to fully step up. This was a time for the people to fully step in and to fully take hold of all that the Lord had promised them. And in this new moment, this is what Joshua was now bringing across. This was a time for everyone to play their part in everyone to play their part the reality is we know that when we talk about the life of the church everyone playing their part isn't something new for church when we think about the beginning point as as jesus commissions his disciples and as jesus commissions his followers before he ascends back to heaven jesus doesn't just commission an individual or one or two people jesus commissions a whole body of people in the book of Acts, the beginning point of the church, we see a whole church being empowered, not just a leader, not just a few individuals, but a whole church being empowered. In Acts chapter 2, we're told that the whole church together, every single one of them devoted themselves to it. Again, not just a leader, not just an individual, not just a pocket of a few people, but everyone together, everyone recognizing that this was a moment for them to play their part. But... In a similar way to what Joshua did with the children of Israel and reminded them of their story, we need to reflect on our story as the church. Because while that was the beginning point of the church, the reality is, is that down the period of church history, things haven't stayed that way. There's crept in along the way this rationale or this mindset that it would be the clergy, it would be the leaders that would do the work. The pastor would be the one that would seek God for the people. The church over the years suddenly then became this place. And listen, the church were the ones that sometimes were directing people to do this. But the church became a place suddenly where people came to simply receive and some level maybe to simply spectate. But the reality for us 
as we talk about recommitment today, is that now more than ever, the church is called to be a Joshua people. The church is called to be a people, and this is a place for everyone to take their place and to play their part. This is what it means for you to be part of the church of Jesus Christ. It's not for you just to have the label of Christian and the church for a place for you to go to. This is a place for you to be involved and for you to play your part. This is a time for everyone to step up because this is a new land which we are trying to take. Listen, we're talking about rewriting the story of the city. This is what Joshua was leading the people into when it came to the promised land. If you want to take the land, then everyone needs to be involved in this. Simply, what I want to start by saying that when we talk about committing and recommitting, my first challenge to you would simply be this. We need to be a people that recommit to one another. We need to be a people that are committed to one another. It's why Phil just led as well when he explained, even just very simply in a basic way, why we've made a choice, even simplicity about masks. We just want to be a people that are committed to one another. That stuff aside, in a deeply spiritual setting, we want to be a people that are committed to one another. One of the practices you see down at the very back of the room is the word discipleship. What we were committing to was that we were saying as a people we wanted to be committed not just to our own walk and our own discipleship journey with Jesus, but we were committed to help and support one another, to see each other thrive in our walk and growth with the Lord. And this is important for all of us to be able to do. For us to commit, we need to all be responsible for this. We all need to help support one another practically and spiritually. Do you know where the word would talk about iron sharpens iron? Sometimes we love the thought of other people sharpening us. But yet there's a responsibility for you to do the same for others. It's not just about someone sharpening you as a piece of iron, but how you can be involved and to do that in other people's lives. Phil's mentioned this is a new season of life groups in church. We are going to be really, really unapologetic about beating the drum about this over the next while. We are desperately passionate that we would start to not no longer just be called a church family, but we would be a discipling community together. That everyone in this place would just be engaged in discipling relationships in some way. And listen, if you're not on a life group, we will in a couple of weeks in one of the mornings and refocus be sharing lots of changes. But Phil's already started to allude to it this morning, some of the, the deepening ways in which life group will support rhythms within church. We would love you to be part of this. Again, not just for how you can be supported and help, but for how you can provide that for other people as well. And so if you're not in one, we would just love you to be involved. Again, you can speak to me at the end of this. And so the first thing I simply want to say is that through the life of Joshua, we learned that actually there's a call to commit to one another. There's a call to commit to community. But ultimately, the reason why we do that and the reason why we would want to be in things like life groups to be able to support and encourage one another is because ultimately the call upon all of us is to have a commitment to worship. You see here at the start, one of the practices that we have on the wall here is prayer and worship. We wanted to call ourselves to be a people that would be given to God completely in worship. We read this earlier in verse 14 and 15. These are the words that Joshua said to the people. Now therefore fear the Lord and serve him in sincerity and in faithfulness. Put away the gods that your fathers served beyond the river and in Egypt and serve the Lord. And if it is evil in your eyes to serve the Lord, choose this day whom you will serve whether the gods your father served in the region beyond the river or the gods of the Amorites in whose land you dwell. But as for me and my house, we will serve 
the Lord, the reality was for the children of Israel as they stepped into the land of Canaan and into the promised land, there wasn't just a foreign people. There wasn't just a foreign army that they had to overcome. But there were other gods in this land. There were other spirits that were at work in this land. And one of the main things that these gods and these spirits were seeking to try and do was to take away the people's devotion to God, to Yahweh, to place it on other things. This has always been the tactic of the devil. It's always been the tactic of the enemy to take away worship to God. That's why it's beautiful to be able to gather like we've done this morning and to worship Jesus and to lift and high his name. And so Joshua, again, in this one of his last times that he gets to address the children of Israel, he stands before them and he makes this bold, bold, bold proclamation. And this is what we need to hear fresh today. Choose this day whom you will serve. Choose this day whom you will serve. Choose this day whom you will serve. It wasn't a choice of how you will serve or in what way. The choice was simply this. Choose this day who you will serve. This is a choice that still exists for the church today. Who or what will you serve? What is your worship of your heart being directed towards the things that we do ultimately aren't of utmost significance, but it's the steer and the worship of where our heart truly lies. Because ultimately is this, we all worship someone or something. And inevitably you will become what you worship. We all worship someone or something. And inevitably you will become like what you worship. Where your heart is given to, you will become like it. And so Joshua firstly calls the people that is choose whom you will serve. And then really significantly, it's that it's not just a call, just as a choice of worship, but it's a commitment as well to have a practice of daily committing. Joshua just doesn't simply say, choose whom you will serve. He very specifically says this, choose this day whom you will serve. Choose this day whom you will serve. The reality that this choice of worship and devotion isn't just something for a moment, but it's a daily decision. The choice of following Jesus and the likes of these things, it wasn't just for a moment like we had in January, but it's a, it's a daily decision. Even in our own discipleship journey with Jesus, it's a daily decision because the reality is the worship of your heart can ebb and flow. It can change direction. It can shift other things. And yet we see the people in verse 24, this is what they say, and they're passionate about it. The people stand up and they say this, and the people said to Joshua, The Lord our God we will serve, and his voice we will obey. They're adamant about this. The Lord our God we will serve, and his voice we will obey. They're passionate that they're going to follow and worship God. In this moment, they're saying a yes with everything that they had. Have you ever had moments like that where there's been those times where it's like, God, I'm giving, I'm giving everything for you? Maybe there's been moments you've experienced in your own life, maybe times where you've been in church. You know, moments like this that we read in the book of Joshua, you know, it's the same as we say in January, over 500 people gathered in a moment. It's the easiest thing to have a passionate yes when you're in a moment with other people. It's, it's the easiest thing sometimes to have a passionate yes, maybe when you're being, like for the likes of the people here, Joshua has given them everything about this. And there's an easy moment for them to say yes to it. 
And yet the reality is, if you look at the history of the children of Israel, what happened beyond us, they didn't always say yes. So the people in this day said, the Lord our God, we will serve and his voice we will obey. And that ends the book of Joshua and it leads us into the book of Judges. And in the book of Judges, there just goes this repeated cycle of people disobeying God and falling away from him and then returning to God and then disobeying him and going away. And this cycle, that goes through. And it leads us into the book of Kings. And in the book of Kings, there's just this story and this narrative about how the nation of Israel's after the time of Solomon, it splits into the northern region of Israel and the southern region of Judah. And there's a whole list of kings, many of which are evil and wicked and lead the people astray and lead the people away from God. And my own, the reason why I wanted to land this, my own devotion over the last while, I've been in the book of Kings, and I just felt the Lord really specifically speak about one line that I wanted to share this morning. Because the reality is, not all the kings were bad in the history of Israel. There were some kings that were quite good. And yet, there was just this line about some of the kings. So t- take this down and you can read it yourself later on. But in Second Kings chapter 15, we're told about two kings back to back, Azariah and Jotham. There's some other kings that this line is repeated about as well. But for these two, if you go and read it later, Second Kings 15, Azariah and Jotham, they were both good men. But there's just this line, and as I've been studying this myself, I felt almost one of those Holy Spirit quickening moments as I read it. For me to begin examining my own heart. And this is what we read about these guys. It's for each of these kings. He did what was right in the eyes of the Lord. Nevertheless, the high places were not removed. It says this, he did what was right for this king. He did what was right in the eyes of the Lord. Nevertheless, the high places were not removed. High places, things like this, were just localized or regionalized worship centers pretty much to simplify it they were just places of sacrifice or worship to other gods while the children of Israel were called to worship God in the temple these were things places where worship was given to other gods they weren't just places that were on hilltops as well sometimes you read about them being in valleys in Jeremiah 7 and city gates uh, in 2 Kings 23 but this line in the book of Kings as I've read it over and over and over again it's been one of those ones where it's been I felt the spirit start to just quicken myself and my own spirit to start to ask this question. You know, sometimes I can do all the things that are right. I can tick all the boxes that seem right. For all of us in our lives, you can do the things and embed things and be disciplined in some of the things that are good and are right to do. You, if we go back to that line, you can do what's right in the eyes of the Lord. But sometimes, and this is the challenge that I started to really want to search my own heart, Are there high places in my life that I've never fully removed? Or even over this period of time when we've been separate, have there been other high places that have started to be embedded in my life? The reality is, again, that high places, there weren't just things that were like in lofty mountaintops, the things that were attractive or things that kind of lure or seduce you away from worship from God. You know what I'm saying? High places sometimes were in valleys. (laughs) Maybe for some of you in what has felt like a real valley moment, you've gone through difficulties perhaps not even just to do with COVID but on other things what can so easily happen in these moments is faith starts to potentially dip and you start to maybe just engage in other things to help you to cope at those moments things can start to embed in your life it almost becomes like another high place that just takes away worship from God and the kings were told and they knew this 
that it was to worship the Lord God and him only. Love this quote from John Tyson. Let's just read this and we're almost finished as we, as we wrap this up. He says this, The things that derail us seem to come out of nowhere. Or they come with such subtle deceptiveness that we don't think they will shape us in the long run. The call of Jesus is not just about morality or doctrine, religious performance or outreach. It's about living well. It's about learning to live in his way in the world. The way that produces the fruit of the spirit in our lives. And the fruit of the kingdom as a preview of the life to come. Joshua's call to the children of Israel was this is a call for us to choose to worship. Listen, we would, we would say this repeatedly. Phil, every wedding that I've been in Emmanuel Church, Phil talks about a rainbow and the sign of covenant. We always talk about this. This is why couples wear wedding rings. Because even when it comes to our covenant and our devotion, even in a relationship setting, this wedding ring is actually a reminder to us that while it's easy to stand at the front of a church and to make a commitment, it's a daily choice. And for each of us in our love and devotion for Lord, for the Lord, it's a daily choice. It's a daily choice and allegiance of our heart of worship. And as I finish, the reality is for all of us, and this is the thing that excites me more than anything, is that feel that you know for us as a people if we can be a people that can be committed to, to community and life together that ultimately can support and hold each other accountable so that in each of our lives that our hearts are committed to a fresh and renewed level of devotion and worship to God not just in places like church but on a daily level in our lives that ultimately for all of us corporately as a church and individually for you as a person ultimately what that releases us into is simply this means that we then can finally make a commitment to fully take hold of all that is yours and all that is ours as a people. Listen what Joshua 24 in this passage finishes off with. Just simply this line. So Joshua sent the people away, every man to his inheritance. The people stand before him. Joshua calls them and tells them to recommit, to devote themselves to the Lord and promises them this, that if they can follow God in this way, they can fully step into their inheritance and all that they have. And God has great plans for your life. God has great plans for us as a church family. God has great plans for the church in this land. If we would commit ourselves one to another and ultimately support and help one another to devote ourselves fully to God and our worship and allegiance to King Jesus, and that as we do that and we make a daily practice and rhythm out of it as a people that would commit in a daily way, we can fully step into and to take hold of all that is ours and all that God has for you. And as we finish, I would just love to pray that for us just as we close. And so if you're okay with that, I'd love you to stand just as we finish. Phil's going to come off the back of this, close us off and give you the exit routine and plans and all the safety announcements and things. But If you feel comfortable to do this, why don't you place your hand on your heart? I, I woke in the hours in the morning and the song that was just going over and over in my mind was just an old song, um, Purify My Heart. And I would just love just to pray this over us as a people. Refiner's fire. Our heart's one desire is to be holy, set apart for you, Lord. We choose to be holy, set apart for you, our master, ready to do your will. 
God, as a people, we want to stand here afresh. And God, individually, God, in the space of this, God, for individuals to do it. But God, corporately, God, I just want to just pray a prayer of commitment to you, King Jesus. God, would you lead us? Thank you for your faithfulness to us. As we look back, God, over these last weeks, God, and months, thank you for your faithfulness to us. But God, as we look ahead, God, we just said, God, we want to step into all that we have. God, we don't want to miss out on what you have for us. We don't want to settle for second best. And so, God, lead us as your people at this point. And God, we just commit ourselves afresh to you. God, we just give a fresh sense of commitment, God, to life and community. And ultimately, above all, God, our hearts are committed to you, to worship you and you alone. So take what is rightfully yours. And God, lead us as your people. Lead us fully into all that you have for us. And God, today we just choose afresh to say yes to you, King Jesus, in all of your ways. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. We hope you enjoyed listening to this podcast. For more information about our church and all that we do, please visit our website at emmanuel-church.co.uk. We hope you enjoyed listening to this podcast. For more information about our church and all that we do, please visit our website at emmanuel-church.co.uk.